0: Psalms chapter 12, Psalms chapter 12, and just ask God, just tell him, Lord, I I want you to speak to me. Uh, Draw that um, circle around your heart, your life, and say, Lord, it's me that's here today in need of prayer. I need to hear from you. And so, and I know he will, he's speaking, I know he wants you uh, to have something today, and so you, uh, you listen and let God speak to your heart. Our Heavenly Father, as p- folks turn their scriptures to your, the place that we are studying at today, I pray that you'd help all of us to focus in on you, how we love you, Lord. We're so thankful that even in times like this, we can lean on you. We can uh, continue to trust in you. And so I, I ask dear Lord that you give me wisdom and direction here this morning. Empower me, Lord, cleanse me and use me. I also pray for thy spirit to be In the hearts and minds of every individual in the pew that they'd be filled with thy spirit so they could hear understand and apply the scriptures to their life today for we ask this in jesus name amen i want to encourage you today to keep the faith keep the faith i know there is discouragement i know there's um, sorrow in the hearts of people there's a lot that has happened in this past year A lot that's even happened for some in this past week. But I want to encourage you to keep the faith. This psalm, like the ones that precede it, it is ultimately referring to the fulfillment of, of days in the tribulation, the great tribulation period, which is going to come upon all of Israel's godly people as well as the Gentile godly individuals. Now, I'm not saying just them, though, of course, everyone left behind will be involved in that tribulation period, but it's truly going to affect the believers because they're not going to go along with the program, and they will be persecuted during that tribulation period. But it's believed that David penned this psalm during the reign of King Saul. So let's begin reading in chapter 12 with that in mind, chapter 12 of Psalm Help, oh, help, Lord! Maybe that's a cry that's come from your lips even this week. Help, Lord, for the Godly man ceaseth for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said, "With our tongue will we prevail." Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now for the sighing, or excuse me. Now will I arise, saith the Lord, I will set Him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Again, this psalm, we believe, was written during Saul's reign uh, when there was a decay of honesty, when uh, there was a decay of what was right, of all righteousness. And not only in Saul's court, but David was seeing it all throughout the whole country. Maybe you can relate with that. I think we all can, can't we? In these days we find ourselves in. There seems to be a decay of honesty, of righteousness, of, of what is good. And as we've uh, noted before, uh, what the world says is good is actually evil. And it's been twisted around. They say evil is good and good is evil. And the ones that, according to the world, that has created the problem, it's the Christians. It's those fundamentalists that believe the Bible. Now, we know there's a day of coming. That, uh, we, you know, sometimes we live our lives as if we will never face any problems. Wouldn't that be nice? I wish I could stand here today and say, listen, if you get saved, you'll never have another problem again. It's not that way. We live in this world, as long as we do, there's going to be problems. As long as there's sin and there... Until the Lord Jesus returns, until he returns the second time and sets up his kingdom, we'll have to endure these things that we're in. But here in this chapter, David does the right thing. He brings his complaint to God. Now, what do we often do? We grumble and complain to one another, or maybe we go to individuals that really don't have any authority or power to help us in that situation. Let's take it to God. Or we begin to point the finger and blame everyone. Well, the reason I'm having this problem is because of so-and-so. It's because of that individual or that that church or because of that pastor or because of wh- whoever. And we begin to blame others. But he brings his complaint of these evil times before God. And because he personally was suffering from betrayal, um, his so-called friends, They he turned out to be false friends, who betrayed him. He was suffering from that. And the arrogance of his sworn enemies, as if they had uh, the ability to say, David, we are going to do this to you. You have no say. Your God means nothing to us. And, and folks, they can say what they want, but it does not change the truth. And David knew this, but he brings his complaint to God. And this psalm furnishes us with the proper way to think. Now, here's the problem. When our world around us begins to crush and fall apart, when things don't go our way, and we get discouraged and downhearted and and depressed, then we begin to think wrong. We get our eyes off the Lord, and we begin to think God doesn't care. We begin to think that, that uh, maybe god has some uh, evil agenda against i'm just saying we begin to think wrong and i want to encourage you this morning to think in the right way and to have the right perspective and so this you know amos in amos chapter 5 verse 13 um what do we do in bad times that we are in and in and amos said this the prudent shall keep silence in that time for it is an evil time i think there is evil that's become more prevalent in our society in our world yes i'll call it like it is it is evil there is evil in this world and of course the terrorism it's evil uh boarding babies that's evil in my view no question about it uh people who have set out falsely to accuse and to attack and to destroy all that is good, that's evil. That's evil. Now, I'm not saying they themselves are the enemy. Satan is the enemy, but they are the the ones the devil is able to use to accomplish many things. Yet we can confront uh, uh, this situation and the problems that we face, with the uh, power and the victory as a Christian. We, we can comfort ourselves with the prayers and the meditations that David found comfort in. And that's what we're going to do this morning. In verses 1 through 8 here, I, I've entitled that section, Perilous Times Shall Come. Perilous times shall come. and You're stopping me right now. so said, Preacher, wait a minute. They're already here. Yeah, you, you may be right to a degree, no question about it, uh, but notice, first of all, what makes these times so bad? Now, if you and I were to take a poll and go out and ask people on the street uh, around the world what, in their opinion, makes time so bad, I'm sure we'd get a lot of different answers. Maybe we'd get some answers like this. It's, uh, it's the scarcity of money. It's the college debt that so many have when they graduate from college owing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Don't worry, our government's going to come to the aid there and pay all those off. So, you, it's a shame that you've got all those. Uh, uh, what are you the, the uh, what do you call it? Scholarships, right? It's a shame you got all that because uh, you know government would have taken care of that. But well, we know that's not uh, not really going to happen. But people say it's because of the scarcity of money, the scarcity of jobs. It's because of all these problems, and it's because of the decay of trade. It's because of the Democrats in the White House yeah somebody would say yeah that's the problem it's because of the destruction of war all of these things preacher that is what makes bad times that we are in but the Word of God tells us that the cause of these bad times are another, of another nature than these uh, look with me back uh, keep your finger there in so Psalm but look back at 2nd Timothy chapter 3 And uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, I believe uh, Brother Morris was there in the Sunday school hour, but we're going to look at verse 1. Here is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now why? Why will perilous times uh, come? Now let me ask you this, so those of you who are here this morning, how many of you have heard over your lifetime a preacher say that perilous times are coming Is anybody raise your hand let me see yes okay probably most of us here uh, if you if they've ever preached out of this passage here in second timothy chapter three obviously if you believe the bible you know that yes we've been told time and time again that there are some perilous times that are coming And throughout the ages, even back in the 1800s, there was preachers saying times are bad right now. And uh, they would point out things that how bad they are. Well, it's much worse now. But but why? Why are they coming? Well, and here's the thing, um, because iniquity shall abound. And that is the very thing back in Psalm chapter 12 that David complains about. The times are truly perilous when the godly ma- man ceases and the faithful fail. Now, verse 1 there in second or excuse me in Psalm chapter 12, when there is a general decay of devotion, when there's a decay of reverence, the reverence of God and of family, and, and a decay of honesty among men, then the times are truly bad. And I would have to say there has been a decay in all those areas, reverence to God and family, decay of honesty. And so now observe how these two characteristics are always put together here, uh, the godly and the faithful. You find those, those two characteristics always together. There is no true devotion to God and family without honesty. Um. Godly men are faithful men, and their their word is as good as gold. A godly man, a godly woman, their word is as good as gold. They are true in all their ways, not only to God, yes, amen, number one, to God, but to men, the people around them as well. They are here said to cease and fail, either by death or by desertion. They just left God. They left their, their uh, doing what God wanted them to do. Or maybe both, death and desertion. Well, we've lost a lot of good people, haven't we, over the, just the years that I've been here. A lot of dear saints that used to sit in these pews are now in glory. Amen. They don't have to deal with these perilous times anymore. But we sure miss them. And, and so those, those righteous, those that... Uh, uh, men and women of integrity, yes, many have passed on, are no longer with us anymore. But Take heart. Keep the faith. Now you and I are to be the example. You and I are to set the standard uh, uh, as we follow the word of God, the standard. And so those that were godly and faithful were taken away, and those that were were left had, had sadly degenerated in the eyes of David. He said, oh, this is perilous times, and... And uh, they were not what they had been, Um, so that there were few or there were no godly people in the estimation of David left uh, that were Israelites. And so they were said to cease and to fail. It is possible that David meant that there's no godly, faithful men among Saul's servants. That could be what he was saying here. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1, run ye to and fro from the streets of Jerusalem or through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof if ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth. Isn't that a sad commentary when they had to run through the streets of Jerusalem and couldn't find a man that seeketh the truth, that executes judgment. Yes, the times are, are perilous. I don't want, look, my point is, is to bring out the truth here this morning of the perilous times. But I want you to know, you and I need to keep the faith. That's what's going to see us through these perilous times. That's what's going to help us to be that example. You think about it. The men and women in your life that impacted you, that influenced you that encouraged you in the faith. Maybe they're not on this earth. Maybe, I'm sure, I hope there's still some around. But li- listen, you now need to step up and be that person to someone else. We're not in this uh, for ourselves, who ought not be. God is why we're here, to g- honor and to glorify Him. By doing so, we can have an impact on the lives of those around us for Jesus Christ. So the times are perilous also, he says in verse 2, When a man's words can't be trusted, they speak vanity, that is, they speak falsehood, they lie. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. He also goes on to say this, and then when pretense and flattery, when they uh, morally corrupt all the conversation, when words are spoken that there is no truth to them at all, they They smile and speak great words to try to flatter you, but then they stab you in the back uh, the first chance they get. So when pretense and flattery morally corrupt our conversation, then David says that's when the times are bad. The times are bad. When the morals of men have deteriorated to the point where lying is acceptable and, and they plot against their neighbors, and they disguise their true actions and motives and agendas behind mask of friendship or behind the mask of, I want to help you. And then, yes, that's when times are very perilous. So they will, as one, uh, we know the character, we've been looking at him a little more on Wednesday nights, Joab, he will kiss and kill. In 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 27, uh, Amasa, uh, Amasa there, uh, he uh, killed him. He kissed him, killed him. Abner the same way, uh, he, these two individuals. Listen, to, it, 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 this is in David's time. Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him. So he smote him therewith in the fifth rib, and he died. So they, again... We live among people in our, these perilous times that will smile and be friendly and at the same time they uh, are ready to cut someone's throat, stab them in the back. And so that's the reality of these perilous times. Indeed, these times are bad when there's no such thing as sincerity. And boy, uh, you just don't find sincerity in the hearts of men in our society. And I would dare say uh, that many in leadership roles are not sincere at all. We've seen the hypocrisy quite blatant in the past year and uh, saying one thing, doing another, and, and really in it for themselves, the power, the, the, uh, whatever it may be, even money, yes. Yes, the times are evil when no sincerity is found in the hearts of men, when an honest man does not know who to believe nor to trust. Look with me at at the book of of Micah. Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7, if you've got the old Schofield, it's 950, page 950 in the old Schofield. But Micah chapter 7 and verse 5, Here's what, you know, the Bible is referring to this time when when an honest man doesn't really know who he can trust or who he can believe. In Micah chapter 7, verse 5, trust ye not in a friend, put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom, for the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter riseth up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies are the men of his own house. Wow. Well, David experienced that, didn't he? His own son tried to kill him. In Jeremiah, listen to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 4 and 5 Take ye heed, every one of his neighbor, and trust ye not in any brother, for every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanders, and they will deceive every one his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies and weary themselves to commit iniquity. Woe to those who make these times perilous. And so, yes, this is reality, but I, aren't you glad for the remnant? Aren't you glad for the men and the women who still honor God, who have kept the faith, and who can be trusted, who can uh, 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 be fighting by your side for the things of God. Yes, the times are indeed perilous when God's enemies have no restraint. Back in Psalm chapter 12, in verse 4, who have said, with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Who are you to tell me what I'm going to do or to say? Who is God? There is no, and this is how they speak. And so, when God's enemies have no restraint, when the enemies of God, when the enemies of religion and what is right, God's people, when they are rude, when they are disrespectful, when they are daring and they are threatening, uh, threatening to run down all that that is just and that is sacred, then the times are, are indeed bad, they're evil. When the wicked in their pride and arrogance have stooped so low as to say again, that there in verse 4, that, um, you know, there's no one here, that, who's the Lord over us? He's, he's not our Lord, and, and no one here to stop us, we'll do what we want. We'll destroy, we'll kill, we'll steal, we'll do as we wish. And no one here to stop us or to make us accountable. See, this tells us something about the character of these evil men. They are conceited. They are confident in themselves. They are arrogant. They are disrespectful. They are disobedient. By the way, these characteristics, if they show up in us, and they are very likely to if we uh, get away from God, you ought to know this is who we're aligning ourselves with. Not God, but those enemies of God. Conceit, confidence in self, arrogance. But they show an arrogant, disrespect they show a willful disobedience to God's dominion as if God has no say over me, they say. And in Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? Talking to Moses. Uh, Who's the Lord uh, to tell us what to do as Egyptians, that I should obey his voice, he goes on, to let Israel go. Who is God? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. That's the attitude of many in our day. I don't know the Lord. I don't believe in God. Who is he? He has no authority over me. I'll do what I want. Yes, when the poor and needy are mistreated, we are in perilous times. There in verse 5, uh, there uh, were they in great fear for God. Oops, I'm in chapter 14. Verse 5 for, in chapter 12, for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. And so... Here, uh, when when the poor and needy are mistreated and abused, when when they're oppressed, when they're puffed at, as it says here in verse 5, then the times are very bad. And so this is implied here in verse 5, where God Himself takes notice of the oppression of the poor, and where God takes notice of the sighing of the needy. Why are they oppressed? It's because they are poor. They are oppressed. And, and why are they wrong? It's because they are not in a position to right themselves. Um, the times are bad. And then another point here under this thought is when wickedness abounds and it's not punished. When evil is not punished, the times are bad. The, the uh, perilous times are upon us. Verse 8, when the vilest men are exalted. I am not going to name names, but I'll be honest with you. It disgusts me, honestly, to see some of the leaders of our land, I mean, who are just wicked and vile, and they've been exalted. I'm thinking, how did this happen? How did a rational thinking person even vote for a person like this? How did it happen when you have preachers preaching in pulpits who are vile and wicked themselves? How how does things like this happen well it's perilous times when the wickedness abounds when the wickedness goes unchallenged when churches do not preach on sin anymore when churches do not preach the full counsel of the word of god for fear of man it helps bring about these perilous times and so it goes unchallenged and, and under not only that but the wickedness is under now the protection And approval of those who are in authority. It's bad enough that uh, they have, um, uh, they don't even challenge what they're doing. In fact, uh, even may approve of it, but then they demand us to approve it, of what their lifestyle is. Then these times are truly bad and perilous. The wicked are exalted to places of trust and places of power. Instead of being punished, they are protected what in the world you know I, I i have many black friends but i am not for the black lives matter group they're they are a radical uh terrorist group along with antifa but why when we see our nation protecting groups like that i don't care what group they're with i don't care if they're uh, they call themselves the right-wing fundamentalist if they're going to fight and kill and destroy uh, all that is good then they're they should be punished. But then the wicked walk at every side. they are neither afraid nor ashamed their, of their wickedness. And we are in that, those perilous times, where there is no shame, where they walk with their heads high and demand that everyone applaud them. In fact, we have people who call them heroes because they came out and said, "I'm a homosexual." Or they came out and, you know, and for uh, uh, other, some other wicked program and all oh, they're brave they're a hero and so they are applauded they are, are exalted in our society and they're everywhere and they're open uh in their sinful habits they're they they do not care anymore uh, you you can't even walk the streets of, of of major cities around here for without fear or without uh, fear of just seeing such wicked and vile things that happen So it's bad for a kingdom or a nation to prefer the wicked over the righteous. Well, I don't want to stop there. Yes, I I could go on and on and talk about how we know these are perilous times that we live in. You know this. You understand it. But here's the good part. Our faith will see us through. In the midst of such bad times... David is, is able to find encouragement with, some, with the proper thinking, with some good thoughts. And it's based on his faith in God. When times are bad, it will, th- these things will comfort our hearts. Number one, we have a God to go to. We're not here alone. We're not fighting this battle by ourselves. And our own power and our own wisdom our own strength it, no 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 we have a god to go to look there again at verse 1 david says help lord help you and i have that same one that we can go to and cry out for help no matter what the problem is no matter where no matter what time we may go to god and we may seek his help for that situation all other helps and helpers they have failed And even the godly and the faithful. So where else but God can we go to? Go to God today. Find your help in God. He is able to deliver you. Don't ever forget this. Matthew Henry writes, help, Lord. About this passage here, help, Lord. Help the virtuous. Few seek to hold fast their integrity and to stand in in the gap. Help to save thy own interest in the world from sinking. And oh, we cry out to God for help. We have a God to go to, just as David did. And then secondly, this thought here is is the proper way to think, that the wicked will one day give an account. They will give an account. Verse 3, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. They will give an account for all their evil deeds, for all their evil words. They're lying, they're cheating, they're stealing. Let lying lips be put to silence. So yes, you could say it uh, the way um, uh, the old preacher said, there is a payday coming. There's a payday someday. And then thirdly, God will deliver and shelter. God will deliver us. It may not be the way we plan it, but God has promised to deliver. Look at verse 5. Now will I arise, saith the Lord. Praise God. The Lord is arising, coming to the aid of David, and he arises, and he's there for our aid as well. God will deliver his oppressed people. God will shelter them, you Christian, from the persecutors of our day. I'm not saying that we won't receive any persecution. But I am saying God will deliver one way or the other. Not every martyr in the history, not every Christian that died for the faith, they may have thought that they would, be, uh, would live through that time. But God used them. And uh, so help, Lord. This promise of God is an answer here. You see, uh, David's prayer, look at what, what do he say there in verse 1. Help, Lord. That was his prayer. And then what does God say? There in verse 5, now will I. God, Lord, help. And, and the Lord responds, now will I. And so there's a time fixed for the rescue of God's people. There's an appointed time for the oppressed people. That time will come, and we can be sure that it's going to be the right time. Listen to Psalm 102 and verse 13. Thou shalt arise and have mercy. Upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. Oh, we are not promised that we are not going to face trials and tribulations in this earth. All we are promised, Christian, that we will not face the tribulation. And we're also promised that we still have a God no matter what we're experiencing. A God that we can go to. A God that we can lean on. A God that we can trust. Keep the faith. And then another point, God is faithful and trustworthy through all of this. Look, look with me at verse 6 again. Men of the world, they speak vanity, David says. They speak with flattering lips, but look what he says about the word of God. The words of the Lord are what? Pure words. They're pure words. Though men are false and lie, and God is faithful and true. Though they are not to be trusted, God is to be trusted. Not only are his words all true, but David says they're all pure, pure, as silver tried in a furnace of, of earth, purified seven times. Now, the pure words of the Lord, that denotes the sincerity of God's word. You see, what God has given us here. He means what he says, and he has said what he means. There's everything in this book. They're pure words. They're true words. There's no innuendos here. There's no, uh, well, you've got to, it can be taken many different ways. God, Thus saith the Lord. This is God's word, the sincerity of God's word. Then the preciousness of God's word, the value of the word of God. Oh, friend, if you're not in the Bible, if you're not reading it, and letting the Bible saturate your life, you don't know what I'm speaking of, the preciousness of the Bible, what it means to the true believer, the help we find in it, the strength, the comfort, uh, the guidance and direction. So much there for us, the preciousness of God's Word. And the many proofs that have been given of its power and its truth. It has been tried often. It has been tried. All the saints of all the ages have trusted this book right here, and it has been tried, it has been proven, and it's never deceived them. It never misguided them. It never let them down. But they would all agree that God's word is true. It's true. And then... God secures his remnant to himself. I mentioned something about that earlier, but look at verse 7. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. No matter how bad the times may be, God will secure his chosen remnant to himself. Now this tells us that as long as the world stands, there will be a generation of proud and wicked men in it we know that to be true it has been all through the history of this world and they will threaten to destroy the righteous they will threaten to destroy their religion and that has happened all through our history and is even happening today but god will maintain his own interest and preserve his own people God has not been taken by surprise or has been deceived. God knows exactly what is happening. And he knows you, my friend, and he is going to be with you. He's going to help you, and he will preserve his people. He will keep them from this generation. He will keep them from being morally corrupted and and drawn away from God. And that's, of course, one of the goals of the devil himself, to get us away from God. He will also keep them from being destroyed and rooted out by uh, the enemy. And so the church, what are we told in the New Testament? The church is built upon a rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will, it's fortified so that even the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Folks, we are on the winning side. Yes, there may be elections that are lost. There may be things that happen that discourage us and and they go against the Christianity, go against what is pure and right and true. But God is still in control. We can trust him. This church and, and God's people are built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. In the worst of times, God has his remnant, always has and still does today. Let's not think that we're the only ones here. Oh, they're all over the world. Believers, some in parts of this world that have been enduring persecution for years. Uh, why? Because they're a believer. Churches being burned down, Christians being killed, arrested, at the very least. And it's happening all over the world. And so, who knows? It may, there may be a day down in the future, if the Lord does not return before that time, that we will even experience that kind of persecution here. It's a possibility. We're not promised That we'll never experience it. Do you think God's own chosen people, the Israelites, would have ever thought the things that happened to them would have happened? But it did. And so here's the thing that we we can. He will reserve to himself a holy and a holy seed that uh, uh, will uh, he will preserve his people that uh, to his heavenly, heavenly kingdom. God will keep us and. Uh, he will never, just as we know as a, as a believer, that He is the one that keeps us saved. He is the one that secures us. We have eternal life. Well, He will help us through whatever we face in this world. Now, if that means uh, an untimely death for a, a believer, that could happen. But to the glory of God. We are living in a day like David writes about here in verse 8, where the wicked walk on every side and the vilest men are exalted especially going, going to be true. If you think this is bad now, this is all the stage being set for the tribulation period. That's when everything falls apart. And that's true and right and moral. And so it is uh, going to especially be true during that time. Listen to the prophet Isaiah when he says this in Isaiah 66:5, Hear the word of the Lord. Ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, let the Lord be glorified. And they did that in mockery. They said, let the Lord be glorified. But he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. Yes, the Lord is going to return. Things are going to be made right. And so this is a wonderful picture given to us that that describes the temple worship in Jerusalem, I, I think at the end of the age and uh, the lord jesus said in his day when the enemy came to arrest him what did he say he said this is your hour and the power of darkness yeah yeah this is your look my my mission is to come i came here to die this is your hour speaking to the evil speaking to the devil himself and the power of darkness and so they, uh, they may have their time, but let us remind ourselves and with a prayer on our lips, pray for those dear souls that are deceived, that are blinded to the gospel, that they are headed for hell and don't even know it. We go through times when the enemy has the upper hand, but God won't let something happen to his own unless it's going to accomplish some worthwhile purpose in the hearts and lives of people. God uses however he sees fit. But I want to encourage you today. Keep the faith. Keep the faith in God. Don't look to self. If you're looking to the White House for your help, you're looking in the wrong place. Keep your faith in God. Let's pray together.